Rejoice. Uh, my name is Tom, and I'm glad to see you. It's been two years since we've had a Christmas Eve service. I missed you last year. I was here, but we um, are glad that you came. I wasn't sure who would come, and I'm glad you're here. It's been a hard year, been a hard stretch, and we need consolation. And the carols that we sang speak a great deal about the consolation that God gives to people who hurt. Have you had any hurt in the last 18 months? Has it been hard? You might be surprised to know that the very context of Jesus entering the world came in a time of great trouble. I want to show it to you a little bit. And this is what I want you to know, is that God prepares people to see who Jesus is and to receive him as their Lord and Savior by stirring up in their soul a longing for consolation that the world cannot give. But God can, and that's the very reason he sent his son into the world. So if it happens that you need consolation tonight because you have anxiety or fear or trouble or loss or suffering, anybody? Then this is the story that God wants you to hear tonight because he, he may very well have prepared your heart with a longing inside of you to be consoled by the only one who can truly console your heart for now and eternity. And that's the story of Christmas. So rejoice. Rejoice. I want to show you. It, it sort of depends what you look at to whether or not you can see the consolation that God intended to give when he sent his son into the world. So there are these great characters in the story that's well-known and that was read to us that I would like to show you something that they saw that led them to find their comfort and consolation in God. And let's start with Mary. We read a little bit about Mary, but Mary was suddenly expecting a child. And she was visited by an angel who came to her and said, Hail Mary, you're a favored one of God. The Lord is with you. The next verse says, but Mary was greatly troubled. So if you're troubled, you're with Mary. She was troubled at the announcement and trying to discern the greeting. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And from this point on, Mary sees something about Jesus from the angel's announcement to her song that I hope you will see tonight. Mary saw his greatness. The verse that follows says, He will be great, the angel still speaking, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be, everybody, no end. Mary heard the word from the angel that this one who would be born would be great. He will be great. He will be the son of the Most High, 
which is to say he is the Son of God, that he always existed before he became incarnate. He's the Son of the Most High. Who's higher than the Most High? No one. He is the Son of the One who is over all creation, over all the nations, over every kingdom, over all the earth, over every family, over every person. There is no one higher than God. And Jesus came into the world to be great, the Son of the Most High. And He's a king. He's a king who is going to rule over a kingdom that shall never end because all the earth is His and everything belongs to Him. Jesus Christ is the coming King. He's going to come and rule over everything of His kingdom. There shall be no end. He's King. Mary saw that. In fact, when she sings her song later in that chapter, one of the lines says, For He who is mighty has done great things for me. Mary saw the greatness of God and that he was going to be a king, and this would not be a king like any other kings. Kings and kingdoms pass away, but Jesus Christ is going to be part of a kingdom that shall never end. A thousand babies have become kings, but only one king became a baby. It's Jesus. Mary saw his greatness. Do you see that? I mean, think about all the things that Jesus did in his lifetime. His greatness was seen in all of his miracles and everything that he did. But he is a king and a ruler. That's Mary. She was troubled, and that message came to her. I mean, the next person we might think about is Joseph, but we have to go to Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, the birth of Jesus took place in this way, and it tells Joseph's perspective. And let's think about what Joseph saw. When the mother of Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, before they had intimacy together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. God miraculously allowed Mary to conceive in her womb a child that was born of God. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You think Joseph had trouble? Think he had some anxiety? Of course he did. And his, his course was to take it into his own hands and to do what he thought was best, and that would be to get rid of this girl, to divorce her. And while he was contemplating that, verse 20 says, Joseph saw something that God was going to rescue him from this situation. Verse 20 says, But as he considered these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from, everybody, the Holy Spirit. I mean, God is making it very clear that this birth is unlike any other birth. This is a birth that God is bringing into the world through his miraculous conception in this young virgin named Mary so that she conceives in her womb this particular child. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I have to imagine that Joseph was filled with anxiety, but he saw Jesus coming into the world and God's work in all of that as a rescue for him. 
He certainly wanted to get out of these circumstances, wanted to end this relationship, this betrothal, but God intervened and rescued him and said, no, this is my plan for you. Stay put. And Joseph did. Not only did God rescue him from his particular circumstances, but Joseph saw that this son who would be born would be a greater rescuer because he would rescue his people from their sins. You see, if you see the greatness of Jesus, you know that he is above all. And so he sits in a category with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit that is unlike any other category. We would say he exists in a domain of holiness, a category all by himself where no one else is. He is holy. There is no imperfection with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. There is no sin. There's no darkness. There's no shadow of change at all in him. That's who he is. So how could we who know our own weaknesses and failures and sins ever enter into the presence of God? It must be that a rescuer comes to earth and saves his people from their sins. I know it's not nice to talk about sin, but guess what? I are one. I'm a sinner. And the Bible makes it clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but His love for sinners like me moved Him to send His Son into the world, Jesus, who would save His people from their sins. You see, seeing the greatness of Jesus requires that we see the depth of our own sin. And when we see the depth of our own sin, we know that there's nothing we could do to eradicate our own sinfulness or to get rid of it or to cover it up or to create a scale in which we might counterbalance it with enough good for God. We still have our sins and we need to be forgiven. And that's why God sent His Son into the world to rescue us. If you've never experienced the rescue of Jesus for your own brokenness and sinfulness, I'm just going to say, do you see him for who he is? Mary saw him in his greatness. Joseph saw him as a rescuer. But wait, there's more. Other characters in the Christmas story are the shepherds, and we heard of the shepherds. What did the shepherds see? Well, we saw that they were out and keeping watch over their flock by night. It was dark. It was probably a starry night, I assume. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly afraid. So here's another set of people who have their own set of anxieties. They are terrified because, boom, an angel stands in front of them and begins to speak to them. You've probably not had that. The angel said to them, don't be afraid, because he knew they were. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then the angels truly do see the glory of God. This is what they see. Verse 19 says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, let's read it together, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. 
I wish we could see that, but it would be one of those scenes that we would just say, and then maybe fall down on the ground because the glory of God was there. The shepherds, shepherds saw the glory of God in the heavens, and they knew it was tied to the arrival of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the glory of God. If you happen to have been with us over the last several months, we looked in the book of Hebrews that says Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of the nature of God. John, one of the apostles, wrote after his life with Jesus, we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And some of his disciples were with Jesus when he was on the mountain in Matthew chapter 17 when God allowed Jesus to reveal his glory to the disciples. And do you remember what happened to them when that occurred? They fell right on their faces before him because the glory of God was there. I just want you to capture this scene. The shepherds saw something that very, very few people have ever seen. A display of the resilient, brilliant glory of God. And they were afraid. See, Jesus Christ came into the world to bring consolation to people who are hurting. Mary was afraid. Joseph was afraid. The shepherds, afraid. And Jesus is coming in to show his greatness, his ability to rescue us from our sins, and the glory of God. The wise men are another ones that we could think of. The wise men were men from the east who came to see Jesus while after he was born, and they came bearing gifts. Luke chapter 2, um, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 2 says that wise men came from the east to Bethlehem in the days of Herod the king. And they came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. The wise men saw the worth of Jesus. They saw that he was worth traveling some 800 miles from the east to come and to try to find out who he was. And the only light they had was a star that God put in the sky, and they followed the light that they had. You've been given light about who this Jesus is. And if you follow the light that God gives you, you're experiencing light right now because you're hearing what the Bible says about who this Jesus is. And if you will follow it, you will find him. They eventually did, but there was a little episode with King Herod, and King Herod was, um, he was a nice guy. No, he was a bad dude, and he wanted to kill Jesus. And when he found out that the wise men had entered into Jerusalem looking for the one who was born king of the Jews, the very next verse in the Bible says this. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem. We tend to think that Jesus came into the world without trouble. Trouble's everywhere he is. With Mary, with Joseph, with the shepherds, there's anxiety. Why? Because we're standing in the presence of God. And now Herod, all of Jerusalem, is feeling anxiety. Can you imagine an entire culture feeling anxiety? 
I'm telling you, we, we tend to think that what we're going through is the first time in history that the world has been troubled. The world was troubled when Jesus entered the world. The whole city is troubled because there are these wise men coming to seek after this little baby because they knew something about his worth. Verse 11 continues, and it says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. They'd never met him before, but here's a baby. And after following him to Jerusalem and then hearing the word that it would be Bethlehem, where the baby would be born, the Bible confirming what they thought was true, they come to the house, there's Jesus, they worship him. And then opening their treasures, they offer to him gold and frankincense and myrrh because they know his worth. They know he's worthy of the best that they have. Do you see the worth of Jesus? He came into the world for us. He came in to give himself for us and to offer all of that for us. I'm telling you that the world was a troubled world when Jesus came, and we call him the Prince of Peace. So how is it that Jesus becomes the Prince of Peace in a troubled time such as our own? There's one more character I want you to think of and remember. His name was Simeon. Remember Simeon? Simeon was an older man. And for Simeon, we've got to go to Luke chapter 3. After Jesus was born, it was eight days later, and according to Jewish custom, the baby's son was taken to the temple in order to be circumcised according to the law. And so the parents, Mary and Joseph, bring Jesus into the temple. And as they do that, verse 25 Reads, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation. The consolation. Who needs to be consoled? Israel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. Somehow Simeon was a devout man living in Jerusalem at the time of the birth of Jesus, and God had spoken to Simeon and said, you are not going to die until you see this baby. So if Mary was troubled and Joseph was anxious and the shepherds were terrified and the wise men were kind of anxious around Herod, here's Simeon and he's about to die. And sure enough, in comes Mary and Joseph. They came into the temple, and he came into the temple, and the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the law. And verse 28 says, And he took the baby Jesus up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for, watch it, my eyes have seen your salvation. What did they see? They saw that in this baby, Simeon saw in this baby, the salvation that God had planned. 
and prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. Simeon saw the salvation that God intended to bring the world through Jesus Christ, this little baby. When you think about all of these characters in the Bible story, you have to ask yourself the question, what did they see? And now I'll just ask you, what do you see? Do you see what I see? I mean, do you see the greatness of God in Jesus? Do you see His rescuing intent for us? His glory, His worth, the fact that He came to bring salvation. Do you see that? Because that is the only hope of being consoled by God in whatever trouble you are. Listen, Mary and Joseph were young. Any young people in here today? Yep. They were teenagers. They were young. And so their life experience could not guide them. But they were guided by the truth of God. And I would just say to any young person who's here today, you don't have the life experience that old people like me have. But you have the truth of God in the same way that I do. Mary and Joseph were young. Simeon was old. He was about to die. The shepherds were ordinary of low social standing. They were not any dignitaries in the community. And God met with them. The wise men were, well, they were elite credentialed scholars and probably political operatives in the day. So they would have represented perhaps the higher class of scholarly elite people. So you have old and young and, and shepherds and wise men. And not spoken are the middle-aged people like me. And you know, I still think of myself as middle-aged. You know, but, but we're included. It's a picture of all the people in the Bible story who saw who Jesus was and recognized that he's there. And I would just ask you, do you see who this Jesus is? And I would encourage you to say, Jesus Christ came into the world because our world has trouble. And if you have trouble, I want to encourage you to see the light of Jesus and to know that He came to forgive us of our sins and to be the one who would lead us under His gracious rule. This is what the Bible story, the narrative of Christmas that leads us to rejoice is because Christ came for us. Can you see it? I want you to see it so that you will know something of the greatness of Christ. And you'll know that He came into the world for this very reason. A light of revelation. To turn on the light to say, God has come so that God is with us. And the best response we can have is that, in fact, God is with us through Christ. And so we worship Him. He's Emmanuel, and He's a Savior who can forgive us of our sins. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's what I pray for you.
today. We always celebrate this service by the image of light. And in a moment, we're going to turn all the lights out in the room. And we're going to light a candle. And that candle's going to be lit in order to just show one light in the darkness that was Christ coming into the world. And he became the light of the world so that in darkness, that light would be transferred by faith to others. And we're going to practice that and display it here in the room. We haven't done this for a while. And so it's really helpful just to tell a couple rules. Um, You'll notice the seats you're in don't have any wax on them. And um, one of the rules of candle lighting is once your candle's lit, you don't tip it. Only unlit candles tip. And then you just hold it up and maybe not over the seat. That'd be great. And mom and dad, you decide who should have a candle. And um, we're going to close the room down into darkness. We're going to sit in the darkness for a minute. Because the Bible also said that when Jesus came into the world, the whole world was lying in darkness. That was a spiritual metaphor for a world without hope. A world in trouble. Our world's in trouble. But God sometimes prepares the hearts of people to see who Jesus is by stirring up in their soul a longing for consolation that only He can give. And I hope that as you hold your candle, you'll be thinking to yourself, Lord Jesus... You are the great one. You are the rescuer. You are the only one worthy of glory. You are the only one worthy of worship and all worth. And you are my salvation. And I want to encourage you to open your heart to Jesus tonight. Call on Him to forgive you of your sins and worship Him. Let's pray together. We're going to sit quietly in the darkness for a moment. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt his worth. Lord Jesus, thank you for entering our world to be the light, to be the Savior who takes away the sins and the darkness of our life. We call on you, Lord Jesus, to come into our life to be both light and peace in our trouble. Be forgiveness for our sins. Be the truth to guide us. Light of the world, we worship you.